Hello and welcome to the HR Means Business podcast, which is part of the HR Happy Hour Network. I'm your host, Mervyn Dinan, and today I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Abby Cowan, and we're going to be talking about culture. Uh, Abby, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Mervyn. So as you said, my name is Abby Cowan. Um, I currently live and work in the US, but was born in England and uh, had the opportunity to work across lots of different uh, countries, industries, and seeing culture in play in different environments. So very happy to jump in and talk about this topic. And you're currently at World Education Services as Chief People Officer, is that correct? That is, yes, that's correct. I've, I've been here a little over five months. We're a non-profit social enterprise that focuses on uh, international students, immigrants and refugees coming into the US and Canada. So it's a very interesting, insightful organization that does a lot of really important work. So very excited and happy to be leading the people function here. That's good. And in fact, one of the reasons we're talking today is because we're going to be talking about culture and in an organisation such as yours, this is obviously highly important. Um, but first, uh, you and I both took part in a webinar recently about the, com- the, 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 the impact of AI, conversational and generative AI, uh, the, the impact it might have on human resources. Um, as an experienced HR director who's worked in, in different sectors, uh, obviously in the sector you're in now, you've also worked in technology, I think, and other sectors. How do you differentiate uh, the, the, the latest trends, kind of the, all the new stuff that we're all talking about online and on LinkedIn and stuff? How do you, how do you decide you know, which, which are the ones to act on, which are the ones you need to incorporate and which you know, you, are just not right for your organisation? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. And it and it comes down to uh, taking a kind of analytical approach as you as you think about these issues and being very contextually focused. So something that might be really important for one organization may not be relevant for another. So there's a lot when it comes down to the context of your organization, not only like industry and sector, of course, that's a really important context, but you know, are you a global organization? Are you local? Are you business to business? Are you business to consumer? Those things all add in, in terms of the, the filter and the lens that you need to, to look at. The other thing is looking at the context of the topic, you know, is there depth of content to it or is it, does it feel like a lot of hot air with very little content behind it so I always think that that's important and then how many places are you hearing about that topic are you hearing about it from within the organization outside the organization within network groups the more and more places that you're coming into contact with a topic and the more that it's appearing the more I would pay attention to it and look at at the relevance so it reminds me a little bit of going back to university days where you would take something and you think, right, okay, let's do some research and some qualification in terms of this piece and understand just how relevant it is. And that can be really hard to do too. You know, this is a, a topic that I've been um, talking about with my with my uh, own team recently. We were talking about big rocks, little rocks. Um, and there's a, a great video out there if anyone wants to go look at the big rocks, little rocks video, because you can often get really over-focused with a lot of the activity that's going on. So 
what in that concept would be the sand. But if you don't concentrate on some of the big rocks and put those in as your priorities first, you can't fit them in if you're focused on all the, the little stuff. So how do you focus down on what really is going to make a difference? Like what really is going to have an, an impact on your industry, on your sector, on your function? And particularly in this area, you know, I think generative AI and uh, and technology as a whole is going to have a huge impact on HR. And you're seeing it coming in in so many different guises with different lenses. So it is something that's really, really important to pay attention to. Whereas I think some of the other things uh, feel like it's a lot of... Um, not got a lot of substance behind it and so maybe that's not something to spend your time consumed with um and to get ahead of the curve on whereas that something like ai i think is a really important area to get ahead of the curve on and be having conversations at the right place within your organization about how are we going to drive that forward what does that mean for us how do we see that interplaying into our strategy up on our approach so you mentioned the internal conversations. I'm thinking of internal conversations, say, with leaders and managers elsewhere in the business. Um, how do you impact those? It's uh, is, it, is it a case of, of of kind of flagging it up to them? Look, this is something we need to to look into, or do you possibly go and almost report to them? You know, this this is what we need to be embracing. Um, how do you start start the conversation? Yeah. So I. I am a re- I'm a really big fan of of having um, expansive discovery conversations. So you start to take a topic, give it some context and and thought, but then with a with a group of stakeholders that work around, you know, what does that mean? Like, what are we, what are we seeing? What are we seeing from different lenses? I think that really lends itself to um, diversity of thought and getting different perspectives around the table because. The risk is, especially leading in a particular area, you feel like you have to come to the table always with the solution, but you have predetermined and gone down a certain road and avenue. And I don't think that that's totally the remit of the job. Actually, the remit of the job is to identify, okay, what are the important topics? And then identify, how do I give oxygen to enough people across the organization for us to have a an expansive and meaningful conversation about that. And I haven't predetermined the outcome I've, or, or the solution. I may predetermine where we need to get to in terms of an outcome and an intent, but the solution could be different along the way. So I do think it's important to have that conversation with different leaders from different disciplines and different insights so that you're able to make a good decision in terms of uh, in terms of what happens next and that you have engaged with people across the organization and you have transparency and clarity in terms of what does that mean for us and we can then close the loop when we go back with solutioning what's happening next and so on okay and obviously it's an education business that you're in um so it's all about learning um now we're looking at culture uh, and obviously things like uh, what we hear about quite quitting them in Mondays, those kind of fads as well. Uh, but things like, uh, I suppose, the approach to AI is, is also fairly cultural. But I'm thinking your business is a non-profit social enterprise. It supports immigrants and refugees. Um, so you're regularly touched by, shall we say, political narratives, uh, particularly in the mainstream media, both in Europe and the U.S., and some of these narratives can be quite polarized. 
Um, as a business, uh, how do you decide um, for, for the people who work there and obviously for the students you have, um, how do you decide you know, when to comment, if to comment, what to say, uh, and how do you factor in the impact it might have on the people who work there as well as the people that, that you're um, uh, upskilling? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question and it's a difficult one uh, because there's no... There's no one answer, but it is about stopping and being uh, thoughtful and considering the particular event, situation, and scenario, and then analyzing it in our context. So, um, so we're very conscious as a nonprofit social enterprise that we are not, we do not have political affiliation as a as an organization, and we have to maintain that neutrality but we're still operating in a highly politicized environment. And often, like you say, there's events that would, would touch uh, the work that we're doing or equally touch our people. We have around 50 nationalities across our uh, organization. So there's a lot of um, complexity, interconnectivity when you, when you look at that. So uh, what, we have been focusing on and working within is thinking about is this something that has direct relevance to the work that we do that has direct relevance to the communities that we serve or has direct relevance to our people and then how do we need to respond so um, we have formed within the organization a rapid response committee where we stop and we look at those um events, incidents, bringing into play a number of different colleagues across the organization who can uh, lend their perspective and experience from our social impact um, policy and advocacy team, from our business operations team, from communications, from, from the people team, to really stop and think, what should we do? What does that look like? How do we talk and communicate to our people? Is this a situation where we want to focus on and, and offer resources. So for example, um, recently with the terrible earthquakes that happened in, in, in Turkey, um, you know, reaching out to our people and, and just letting them know the resources that we could provide them with access to. And then as an organization, we also looked at where we could fund uh, some relevant partners who are doing important work in that space. So it's really about stopping and thinking, you know, how do we how do we comment on this? What is our commentary? And how is that from a human-centered approach, but not from making any kind of political statement? Yeah, it must be a difficult uh, juggling act um, some, some days, I guess. Um, now, when we had a chat before we started recording, um, we talked about the um, culture isn't a message on the wall. It's a day-to-day -day interaction that people have. And so for a business such as yours, uh, culture and mission are, are probably the key drivers of employee engagement and retention. Um, and yet, as we've just said, your people are constantly being impacted by external events that in some way impact part of the business uh, the 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 people within who you're educating or, or the work you do um as an hr leader uh, i suppose I'd, i'm interested in how you provide the balance with uh, between uh, external commentary uh, but maintaining the internal culture at the same time yeah it, it's uh it's definitely a, a balancing actor especially in an organization where we have 
our teams are very externally focused at times, working with um, partners, working into federal government, working into local government, uh, working across different sectors and industries. So they have a lot of external uh, facing activity, but then obviously, you know, we are an organization and have our own in- internal focus too. And how do we create and focus on that culture? I I think we're extremely lucky as an organization in that we have a highly engaged workforce who all are very connected to the mission and the vision of the organization, very, um, very focused in terms of making a difference and having an impact. But that in itself brings its own challenges in terms of pacing and how do we make sure that we're not taking on too much and our our people are not trying to do too many things at once. How do we prioritize? How do we how do we work effectively? How do we work in a connected way when we're not connected face to face in person? I loved what you said at the beginning and it it completely resonates with me because culture is not about a slogan written up on the wall or a set of values that we have up on our our website. For me, it is very much about the day-to-day interactions that I have, the the touch points that I have across the organization and how that makes me feel connected with the organization, how I feel seen, how I feel that I belong and that I make a difference. All of those really deep elements that connect you um, with an organization that connect you with activity that that's what culture is for me but obviously that is a lot more complex than writing a nice slogan that we can put up on the wall and it means that we have to think about it from multiple in multiple ways you know how do we how do we think about how we communicate with our with our people how do we make sure that we're um sharing that communication that we're sharing you know what's happening across the organization how do we skill our people leaders so that they're able to manage their people really effectively I'm sure you know any of my colleagues who've been in HR for any period of time will have experienced the phenomenon of people getting promoted to a people leader because they're really good at what they do um, and then suddenly they have to do this whole different thing that they've never done before so it's like how do we how do we support people leaders how do we make sure that they're given the tools and the resources and the skills and also the space in terms of being able to process what that means and being able to learn um, and then for for all of our employees across the organization like how how do we balance in in terms of uh, their needs the, the needs of the organization the needs of the work you know how do how do we look at that so we have you know, uh, lots of different places where we have touch points, uh, maybe at a, a very um, systematic level in terms of engagement surveys, DEIB um, surveys, and then at a more organic level around how do we create networks and groups and, and places where people can come together, which has become even more important as we move into a world where people are working from all different places and they're not sat next to each other in the office so you know how do we cut create employee groups and employee touch points and also find places where we can celebrate like you know, celebrate each other celebrate what we've done as an organization celebrate wins and um, I think that power of celebration sometimes gets missed and forgotten but you know as human beings we we crave 
um, connectivity. Like we crave being part of a group. That is why the tribe is so such a strong thing. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that we don't forget about those events, those celebrations, those things that bring people together. They make a, they make a massive difference. And I think that was one of the things that people really struggled with through the pandemic, for example, having that ability to connect and to celebrate and to, to come together taken away from you. Is this something that, that all leaders in the business are aware of or is it something you think that is particularly uh, I suppose for like yourself in HR uh, that, that, that something that, that, that you take the lead on and then you've got to almost encourage other leaders in the business who maybe may have other priorities and concerns depending on, on their areas of uh, influence um is it something that they're aware of or, or do you find yourself kind of nudging them shall we say yeah I think that really depends on the organization so I can say in my current organization I am super lucky I, I have a leadership team who who are deeply thoughtful about this area and uh, deeply focused in terms of how do we make sure that we're um, bringing everybody along, that we're connecting to people across the organization? I do think you have a different level of responsibility as a chief people officer in terms of, okay, what's the strategy? How do we drive that? How do we advise? How do, how do I advise the organization and advise the team as to the best ways that we can uh, move that forward? You have a responsibility in terms of, in terms of that and a responsibility in terms of guiding uh, what could be the uh, the strategy, the approach, the the avenues? But everyone has a responsibility in terms of that um, view to the culture of the organisation because it is organic. It is those day to day interactions. So, what makes a difference is my relationship with my manager, my relationship with my peers and colleagues. That's what I feel and experience every day. Um, so, I think it is everybody's responsibility but the chief people officer or the chief HR officer has a special responsibility in terms of defining the roadmap and helping to drive that forward and also being the voice in the room to remind people to come back just like the CFO has a responsibility to remind people to come back to the, the bottom line so I think it is a, like that guide along the journey. That's good. Now, you mentioned uh, surveys, I think, earlier. So in terms of, I suppose, measuring or should we say assessing culture internal, internally, are there any tools that you use? What what kind of role does technology play in that? Yeah, I think I think technology is so crucial and something that is underrepresented in HR departments generally. So I think traditionally, um, as HR have recognized technology, it's been using it on lagging indicators, you know, looking at some of those lagging indicator areas like attrition or absence or um or or other kind of past indicators and analyzing that. Where I think um AI and big data really take us is into a whole new realm where we can start looking at predictive analytics. So, you know, looking at data sets and sources and being able to say, 
identify typical patterns and then saying, okay, in that scenario, what might happen in the future for our people? So how can we get ahead of things? So we're not reacting to something that happened in the past, but we're reacting ahead of time to think about what that means for our people. And that can be across a whole range of different areas. So, you know, if we see uh, an area of our business where the the demand or the or the type of work is changing and we need to change the skills of our people like how do we do that ahead of time and using analytics to be able to identify what would be the most impactful in terms of us upskilling reskilling supporting our people um, and getting in front of the curve so that we can really um, drive that forward I still think oh, clearly um, any data can be really useful and helpful. So it's not a case that we shouldn't be looking at lagging indicators, but the more of a data story we can tell and we can take multiple pieces of data, the better. And this is where technology can really help us. For example, um, in a prior organization, I was looking, we were looking at attrition um, and we were looking at it just through a particular lens but then when we started to look at it and placed additional filters across it to look at okay well what does it mean for attrition of women and what does it mean for attrition of women at a senior level within the organization and what does it mean of attrition of senior women at a certain level of the organization within their first year and that tells a really different story to us just looking at attrition and so you then are able to get much more specific with our actions because what we saw was that was, that was running four times as high as for men. So there's a it tells you that there's a problem there and you're able to then pinpoint in and say, okay, let's do something very specific to address that problem. And then the beauty of data is being able to then look and see, did it work? Like, did what we activate work? Did it make a difference? So being able to use data in that way. And uh, I always feel that, you know, it's such a powerful story when you can refer to a data story to lead you in terms of your strategy and discussion and as a as a chief people officer it puts you in a different position in front of the board you know it gives you a different um level of impact and influence because you are being very data driven very analytical in your approach and that is where i think we should be as hr professionals so what advice would you give uh, an HR professional um, who maybe is facing some of this for the first time? And I'm thinking we've covered quite a bit of ground here. And, and um, we were talking, you know, at the beginning about fads. And then we were talking about, I suppose, the, the external narratives uh, and how that impacts internal conversations, how that uh, impacts morale, how that impacts the culture. Um, and then you've given a couple of great examples there about using data to measure where you do have cultural issues. Um, what, what advice, I suppose, would you give to HR professionals who are maybe facing this for the first time, where either it's being flagged up, there is a culture or there is an issue with culture, which might well be to do with attrition because people keep leaving and saying this isn't a great place to work, or, or it might be an external narrative is suddenly impacting your sector uh, and it's something you feel that you need to have a voice about um what would be the advice yeah there's a there's a few things i would pull out and um, first i would be don't be too quick to react so we've seen um 
we've seen organizations, we've seen leaders who have a knee-jerk reaction uh, to something that's happening. I, I strongly advocate taking the time, not too much time, but enough time to pause, to analyze, to understand, to make sure that you're solutioning for the right thing. Because if you react too quickly, you're often aren't, you're often solutioning for the wrong thing. So taking the time to, to analyze, to understand, and to make sure that you're addressing the right problem, rather than just the, the, the tail, it can sometimes be the tail end of the problem, but you're not addressing the root cause. So how do you get back to that? The, the second thing I would say is, um, remember you're not an island. <laughs> so I particularly can say that being a Brit, but you're not, you're not an island and you have other people around them. So around you, so leverage them. And that's not just your team, although I would always advocate in terms of building a strong HR team with people who have capabilities and strengths that you don't have. That, you know, that has always been my, my mantra, but also you have a team of, of peers, you know, uh, lean into the CFO, lean into other peers who can can also a give you perspective, but b advocate in other areas. And you and it and then it becomes a collective. It's an executive responsibility because culture is an executive responsibility. It doesn't sit in any one place. And and third is um, think about how you can build and connect and use a network. That has always been so incredibly helpful to me uh, you there will be somebody else who has faced what you're facing at a different point in time or in a different context learning from others being able to connect and discuss with others um both in a kind of collective but also from a mentorship or uh or that kind of relationship perspective always hugely valuable and if nothing else someone that you can call and say ah when you when you um, are stuck and you're not sure what to do um I think that that is really really important um but once you get to a place make a decision and act so the the other thing I've seen is you know often it's kind of analysis paralysis and there's all of these different options there's never truly one solution for anything so sometimes we just need to get behind an action and put it into into play and learn what we learn and evolve and adapt because some of it will stick some of it won't maybe it's not the perfect answer but you've started the momentum of making a change some great advice there abby if people are listening to this and would love to get in touch with you what's what's the best best way to interact with you yeah, LinkedIn. Um, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. So connect to me with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to. I always love to connect with uh, anyone and everyone. So please feel free to reach out. Okay. And I'll make sure that I put your LinkedIn um, in the um, notes that accompany this podcast. Um, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you very, very much for your time. And um, I look forward to talking to you again at some stage in the future. Thank you so much, Marvin. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.